Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Mark Andre from VitalDollar.com. Mark started a website design blog in 2007 as a side hustle and left the job he hated in 2008. That's pretty fast, right? <laughs> he has since been running several successful blogs over the years and has sold all of them for over $1.3 million. I linked his full story on how he sold his blogs in the show notes, so you can go and read there. Today, he now mainly runs the Vital Dollar, his blog on managing money, saving money, and money-making side activities. Mark will share his story on how he managed to leave his job so fast and how he has been able to launch several other blogs since then. And yes, I asked him about his secret recipes for success. We will also discuss what key aspects to look after if you're thinking of launching your own successful side hustle, whether in the form of content creating, meaning YouTube, podcasting, or blogging, or in the form of a brick and mortar type of activity. And here's a disclaimer for this episode. We are all going through strange times and hearing about successful business stories might not be what you uh, want to hear these days. I mean, this is totally normal and understandable. And if that is you, I mean, just skip this episode and come back to it later. I certainly do not want to be insensitive to the situation, but I also think that some of you may want to start dabbling into money-making side activities, whether today, during this crisis, or at a later stage. So in short, this episode is for you if you're looking at starting a successful side business, whether in the form of content creation or a physical brick-and-mortar type of activity. So let's not wait any longer and let's jump right into it. Hello, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Yes, I'm good uh, here in Luxembourg, uh, Mark. Uh, how's it going your way with the COVID situation and the coronavirus? Well, everything's okay. I can't, I can't complain. I'm able to work from home. Um, have a little bit more noise in the house these days with the kids being home from school, but but we're all healthy and good. So okay, that, That's the most important uh, here as well so far. So All is good. And uh, yeah, Mark, uh, you're a successful serial entrepreneur. Uh, over the past 10 years, you've had a, s a series of blogs and that you photography blogs, I believe, and you've sold them for over a um, million dollars, actually. So that's quite impressive. I mean, it, if I'm correct, this all started as a side hustle next to your job as, a, as an auditor. And now it's your main occupation to to do blogs or is that still the case? Are you still uh, blogging and um, trying to sell them later on or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I never really set out necessarily to sell anything. Mm -hmm. I did start my first blog as a side hustle. Like you mentioned, while I was working as an auditor, that was in 2007. In 2008, I left my job and started working full time. And so since then, a little more than 11 years now, I've been working full time, full time on my own blogs and websites. And I have sold a few. You mentioned photography. I had a, a few photography blogs. Um, I haven't necessarily set out starting something with the intent of selling it quickly. I don't necessarily flip websites, um, uh, but I typically I have owned sites for a few years and mm -hmm. sold them a little bit later on. So even though I wasn't necessarily my intent starting out somewhere along the lines, I decided I'm ready to move on and do something else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And uh, okay, maybe let's uh, circle back uh, to 2007, 2008. So you were an auditor in a yeah, in a firm uh, where you live. Uh, you live just up north of New York, uh, correct? I live south of New York. I'm oh, in south of New York. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> and um, you know, you have your full time job, nine to five. Uh, you're happy or unhappy, I don't know. And you decide to start blogging. So what happens there, uh, Mark? Yeah, so I was pretty unhappy with my career. Mm -hmm. Basically, at the time, I was in my late 20s and my first few years out of college. Uh, you know, I was struggling, wasn't really happy with any jobs that I had. I had a few different jobs and I could never really find anything that that really satisfied me or anything that I felt like I had much of a future with. So um, at one point, I I had been doing some some web design stuff, just kind of experimenting on my own uh, for a couple of years at that point, just slowly learning. And so it was kind of kind of a hobby. And I um, picked up a client or two from like family members that had small businesses. And I, you know, I designed websites for them. And I thought, you know, this is pretty cool. I like it. You know, it gives me a little bit extra money on the side. Maybe I should look for a few more clients. And so I decided to set up a website and try to find clients aside from family members and friends. And um, I actually wound up setting up a blog on the website to try to attract traffic to the site and then hoping that some of those visitors would ultimately turn into clients and I could you know, do web design work for them. So it actually worked pretty well. I, um, I did get some web design work through the clients, but the blog was growing pretty quickly and I actually realized that I liked doing the blogging work more than I did the client work. And so I didn't really take too many web design clients. I did take some, but um, for the most part, I kind of shifted my focus and just started focusing on growing the blog. And um, so I did that for about a year and a half while I still had a full-time job. And then after about a year and a half, I was able to get to the point where I could comfortably walk away from my job and support myself um, full-time from blogging. Well, uh, that's uh, quite cool in a way because then you... you You create your own job and you manage to yeah. to leave a, wor uh, a job you don't uh, like. But, I mean, web design and uh, auditing, I mean, to me, that's uh, two totally different <laughs> things. Was there a passion or was just a genuine interest at first and that created this passion or this, uh, this hobby, let's say, for web designing? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no real similarities between <laughs> auditing and web design. They're definitely two completely different things. Yeah. Um, I, I, first of all, I was never passionate about my work as an auditor. It was just a job. Um, my my degree in college was in business, and um, you know, so that kind of led into um, into the role. But I did take a course my last semester in college. I took a, an elective course on web design, and I really liked it. It was just something I really enjoyed. It was a very basic course, but it kind of like planted the seed and got me interested. And I think. Um, having an interest in business, the thing that always interested me was like, well, if I can create a website myself, I can create it, you know, for the intent of making money where I can basically start an online business without needing to hire a web designer. Because this was, you know, when I took the course was in like 2002, when I started doing my side hustle was like 2007. So back in those days, there weren't as many easy options to create your own website, um, you know, without coding. So I thought it was pretty cool. Like if I could create my own website without hiring somebody, you know, it gave me a lot of options to, 
to start a business or to do something, you know, to make extra money. And so I think that business aspect of it was really what drew my attention to the web design. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, then I started doing some client work and saw that I could make some money with it and kind of try to grow it from there. Yeah, but that's good. And it's quite impressive that you managed to to then make enough money in one year and a half. So that that's pretty quick to, to be able to do that. So did you have any particular strategy or any, I mean, how to grow so fast? Uh, how did you grow so fast, uh, Mark? Uh, well, to be completely honest, it was a little bit easier back then than it is now. There were just a little bit fewer blogs and websites online. So getting traffic was a little bit easier. Um, but one of the, I'd say the biggest key thing for me was I also did some freelance writing and that really kind of gave me a bridge from my full-time job into really just making a full-time income with my blog. So when I left my full-time job, my blogging income wasn't quite enough to really replace my income. But since I was writing for a few other blogs as a freelancer, that income allowed me to, to cover that gap. Um, and then as my, my blog income grew over the next year, year and a half, I slowly scaled back on the freelance writing until I'd say between one and two years after I left my job, then I wasn't doing any freelance writing at all, probably closer to one year. And I was just focusing exclusively on my blog. But, um, if I hadn't done the freelance writing, it, it would have taken probably two years or maybe a little bit more till I could get to the point where I was just making enough money from my blog itself. So that service work, that freelance work really helped me to be able to transition a little bit earlier. Okay. And for this uh, first blog, <clears throat> how long did you, did you continue with it then before you sold it? Yeah. So I started it in 2007. I left my job in 2008. I continued to manage the site for several years and I sold it in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm curious, why did you sell it then? I mean, if it was it not making any more money, or uh, you were fed up with it? <laughs> what, what was no, the reason? <laughs> it was growing really well, actually. The mm -hmm. last six months I had it, um, I w I had planned to sell it in advance, um, and so I kind of tried to ramp up the revenue and profit for like six months before I sold it because that increases the value of the site. Because you know what what someone's going to be willing to pay is going to be determined by the amount of profit that you're making. So, um, when I sold the site, it was on a really nice upward trend. Mm -hmm. Um, really it was kind of just, I was just ready to move on and do something else. I wasn't sick of it. Definitely wasn't sick of it. I enjoyed doing it, but at the same time I was kind of ready to move on and doing something else. And also, although I did have success with the site, the more, the more success that I had with it, um, this might be kind of surprising and might sound weird, but your stress does somewhat increase, you know, even having a successful site now having a, a site that's not growing and not making money. Of course, you know, that can be stressful, but there's different types of stress that comes with having a higher traffic, higher revenue site. And, You know, I had situations where one of the ways I was making money was through a membership aspect of the site and I had recurring payments set up through PayPal and then PayPal made some changes with their, with their system. I don't remember the details, mm -hmm. um, but basically I had to upgrade my website and I had like very little time to do it. And if I didn't get it done, 
then the payments would would be failing. And so there was a lot of stress with that because at that point I had built up a really nice income from the site. It was making $20,000, a month in profit. And I'm dealing with the stress of like, well, what if I have this issue with PayPal and I, I see some of that income wiped out. Um, so there were things like that that were stressful to deal with. But the other thing was like the site had some value at that point. I knew that if I sold it, I could be done and walk away with a, a nice chunk of money. And there's no guarantee if I, if I held it, the income could have dropped. And, you know, then obviously the value of the site drops. So it just, it gets to a point where it's like, you know, for me, I would rather sort of cash out, take the money, be done, move on to something else. And, um, rather than taking the risk of holding on to it and trying to continue to grow it, I just kind of got to a point where I felt like I'd taken it as far as I could take it mm -hmm. and I was ready to move on. Okay. And, and that's the point where you start another blog then, if I understood correctly? Yeah. So I actually started the other one. So I mentioned that I, I took about six months to try to increase the revenue before I sold the site. Yeah. So I sold it in 2013. Towards the end of 2012, I decided, okay, I want to try to sell this site in like six months to a year. So I'm going to start to try to increase profit as much as I can. And um, at that time, I also thought I should probably have a, a plan for what I'm going to do after I sell the site. And so at that time, I started a second site. I started a photography blog. And I was hoping that that blog would would grow and show signs that I could eventually transition and do that full time after I sold the web design blog. And that is what happened. The, the photography blog did grow. And then once I sold the web design blog in 2013, then I just kind of shifted and, and put in more time to the photography blog. <clears throat> so what about this photo photography blog? Where did the interest come from for photography? Yeah. So uh, photography is definitely a hobby of mine. Mm -hmm. And that actually kind of started while I was doing the web design blog. Um, there's a decent bit of crossover between web design, especially graphic design and photography. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of graphic design blogs will cover some stuff on photography. And so it was something that I was seeing as I was, was working in that, that industry. And I just kind of picked up an interest in it. My wife and I, that was before we had kids, we had two kids now, but at the time we didn't have any kids. So we were traveling a little bit more and, you know, I, I started to get an interest in photography just from traveling and wanting to, to have photos of our trips. And so over the course of a couple of years, I started to, to get more interested in it and I wanted to learn more. And one of the things I found is that when I run a blog, I get, I get to learn more about the topic that I'm covering, um, just because you're surrounding yourself by it all the time. And so I thought, you know, this is something I'd really like to try to do. I'd like to learn more. I think it'd be fun to work on. And so, yeah, it was definitely a hobby or a passion of mine at that time. And how did you monetize? Did you sell your pictures to like um, websites like iStock or Unsplash or this kind of things or teaching others to, to, to make nice, uh, the perfect picture uh, on holidays or, or stuff like this? I didn't sell photographs. What I did was I sold digital products to photographers. Mm -hmm. So, um, with my experience doing some web design, I was very familiar with Photoshop and Photoshop is obviously also used by photographers and Adobe also has another program called Lightroom, which is similar in some ways to Photoshop, um, but also very, 
very good for photo editing. So I, um, I created digital products that photographers could use within Photoshop and Lightroom and sold those products through my website. So I didn't actually sell photos. I didn't, um, teach people how to take photos. I didn't, um, take photographs for clients or anything like that, but I did sell digital products to photographers. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> for my understanding, when you say digital products, you mean an applet in to, to incorporate into the Photoshop or something or a, a piece of coding? It was, it was nothing that I, I didn't code anything. Mm -hmm. It was all stuff that you can create basically different files that you can create in Photoshop or Lightroom. And then someone would download them and open them up in Photoshop or Lightroom and be able to use them to edit their photos. So it's similar to like, if you're familiar with Instagram filters, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, you take a picture and then you press a button and it applies a filter to your photo and it gives it say a vintage look, or maybe it converts it to a black and white or something. Um, the products that I created are, are somewhat similar in terms of you're taking a photo and then basically pressing a button and it's applying a, an effect to that photo. Ah, okay. I see. I see. Okay. Very good. And then, so you continue selling those, uh, those digital products. So what, what's going on with that blog? So that, um, as I mentioned, I started that in 2012 and then when I sold the photography or when I sold the web design blog in 2013, then, you know, I, I started putting even more time into the photography site. Mm -hmm. I managed that for a few years and, um, I actually started a second photography site that was very similar, also sold digital products. And, um, in 2016, I sold the two of those two sites together for a combined $500,000. So I ran the first site for about three or four years. Okay. But that, that's, uh, that's quite impressive because then that means that, uh, you sell three websites in less than 10 years and you make, uh, yeah, about a million dollars. And, um, I'm just curious because, okay, I'm blogging myself. I, I make some money with affiliate marketing and the here and there some, um, you know, Amazon links and this and that. I don't have specific product myself, but I know some others in the community that uh, also run their blog. They make some money. They make 2,000, 3,000 euros or dollars a month. And that's great. I mean, the, the sums you, um, you mentioned, they're quite big. So what would you say is the success? What is the success recipe uh, of your strategy or of your blogs? Well, in each case, it was a little bit different. Um, With the web design blog, uh, when I sold it, it was making money in, really in three different ways, and they were all fairly even. It was making money from ads, you know, just like banner ads on the website. It was making money from affiliate programs, and it was making money from product sales, which I meant, mentioned that there was a membership aspect. Yeah. Um, the, the membership aspect, aspect was, yeah. yeah, it was for the products. So I had some digital products that I sold through a membership on the site. And those three things were all relatively even by the time I sold the site. So with that site, I'd say the biggest um, key to the success of the site, it was a pretty high traffic blog. Uh, at, at the peak, I had a, a million visitors a month. So With a million visitors a month, it's not hard to make money. I mean, especially with ads, all you do is put ads on the site and, you know, you're making a pretty good income. Uh, and same thing with affiliate promotions. You can 
promote products pretty easily if you're putting affiliate links into content that has a high traffic volume. So the key for that site really was traffic. Mm-hmm. The key for the photography blogs, um, they were not nearly as high traffic. Um, and the key there was really the products. Uh, I didn't make money in other ways. I didn't put ads on the site. Uh, I did a very small amount of affiliate marketing. Uh, I'd say 90% or more of the revenue that came in through the site was, was through product sales. So the products were definitely the key. And there were a few things I did that really helped those products to sell well. Number one, I gave away some free versions of the products and the freebies attracted links to the site, attracted people coming to the site, downloading the freebies to try them out basically. Mm -hmm. And then some of those people chose to upgrade and purchase the additional products or, you know, the, the main products. And so those free resources were definitely huge in, in helping me to have success with the paid products. And at the same time, I was also using the free products to build an email list. So people would, would come to the site, they'd want to get the free products. So they'd enter their email address, they'd get added to my email list. They would try out the free products. Maybe they would buy it. Maybe they wouldn't. Um, but they would stay on the email list. And so when I would run sales or promotions or whatever, um, they would get emails. And so over time that email list grew and that allowed me to make more sales. So the, the photography sites were definitely more about the products and, uh, and less about the traffic or other ways of making money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. And, uh, it sounds like a solid plan. And then I'm wondering because then you're uh, by yourself, how many hours per week were you putting into your, uh, into your blogs? It's really varied over time. Mm-hmm. Um, with the web design blog for a few years there, I was, that's all I was doing full time. It was, um, probably 50, 50 ish hours a week. Most of that time. Yeah. Um, but before I sold it, I scaled back and I knew I had to scale back because no one's going to want to buy, um, a blog that takes them 50 hours a week to manage people who are looking to buy a website are investors. And so they're going to, they're going to want to know how much time you're spending and the less time you're spending on your site, the better it is for them because they're either going to have to do that work themselves or they're going to outsource it. Most likely they're going to outsource it. And the amount of work that you're doing is going to impact how much they have to pay other people to do the work. So I had this site going that was making good money, but I was working 40, 50 hours a week on it. I knew that was going to hurt me when I went to sell it. So, um, the last year that I had it, I slowly scaled back and I got to the point where I was only putting in 20 hours a week on it. Um, and, and I did that really just by cutting out unnecessary stuff. Like if, if we look at those of us who run online businesses, if you really sit down and look at all of the things you're doing, you're probably spending time on things that really aren't critical for a lot of people. It's maybe spending more time on social media or um, maybe you're doing a lot of guest posts and it really doesn't get results for you or, you know, um, there's a lot of different things you can cut out if you really get down to the essentials. And so what I did was I looked at everything I was doing and said, okay, this is directly generating revenue. This is important for the future. I'll keep it. These other things, probably not so much. And so I cut down and I was able to, to cut the time in half that I was working on the website. So by the time I had sold it, I could tell the buyer I'm spending 20 hours a week. And so that wasn't 
wasn't so bad because they were going to be hiring freelance writers and stuff to do the work. So, so that answers that part of that question for the photography stuff. Again, it, it kind of varied, you know, when I first started, I was also doing the web design blog. So it was just doing the photography stuff on the side. And then for a while I was running the photography sites full time again, 40 plus hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then, um, my wife and I actually in 2015, we started a business selling on Amazon and, um, that was supposed to just be a little side project, but it wound up growing and taking up a lot more of my time than I had planned. And so I was getting down to the point where I was only spending about 20 hours a week on the photography sites. And so that, that was when, when I decided to sell it because I knew I couldn't manage the Amazon business and the, uh, photography sites. I couldn't grow both of them at the same time. So when I sold that, I was putting in about 20 hours a week. Okay, I see. And then uh, fast forward to today. So you run the the vitaldollar.com. That's your main website today. Or do you have other uh, ventures uh, as we speak? I have some other smaller sites, but Vital Dollar is my primary website at this point. Okay, okay, I see. And this is something you want to keep doing as well? Or what's your plan with the with this website? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any plans to sell anytime soon. Okay. <laughs> um, I have, uh, the longer it's gone and the older I get, I'm 41 now. And the older I get, the less I like starting over. Yeah, yeah. It gets, you know, the last time I sold a blog, I was like, man, this, you know, starting over, I forget how hard it is to start over. And then, you know, the last time I'm like, you know, I just, I don't want to do this again. So, so I don't have any plans to sell anytime soon. Hopefully it's someday I will be able to sell it, but, um, but I plan to continue to manage the site for the foreseeable future. Yeah. It sounds like somebody, uh, changing jobs in along his career, you know, you need to start all over again, meet new colleagues, get to new routines. <laughs> yeah. Sounds a bit like that. So your main side hustle that turned into a full-time activity was blogging. Have you tried other type of um, side hustles other than blogging and freelancing and all that is connected to it? Not too much. Um, I haven't really done like anything locally, like, you know, some of the more popular side hustles like delivery stuff or, you know, using any of like the gig economy apps. I, I really have just stuck with online stuff. And um, since since I had success with my first site, you know, if, if I have other time to put in, I'm going to just put it into my main business or start another website because I know how to do websites. So I've always felt it's just a better use of my time to stick with that than to really try something else. Yeah, I see. And then of course, well, for the listeners, you know, maybe there are some listeners out there and they say, well, look, uh, I'm interested I have my my full-time job and now these are difficult times and maybe some people are uh, being laid off or uh, temporary unemployed and maybe they think, well, maybe I can try to start something, uh, a digital um, venue, venture such as a YouTube channel or a blog or a podcast. And uh, what advice would you have for them who, who wants to, to start a side hustle? Do you have any tips how to start a side activity in 2020, uh, Mark? Yeah, I think the first thing you need to do, and you mentioned a few good possibilities, is really just decide what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, blogging, podcasting, YouTube channels, they're all fairly similar in terms of 
your um, creating content and hoping to build a business based on your content. It's just a matter of whether your content is written format or audio or video, but they're all pretty similar in terms of the potential. They all offer, you know, a lot of potential for income. They're all something that you could do on the side. They're all something that could turn into a full-time income and really allow you to build a business. So those are all good options. The only thing I would say is if you're doing something like that, like blogging, podcasting, or a YouTube channel, you need to have some patience and be in a situation where you don't need to make money right away because um, while they do all offer a lot of potential long-term, they're not great ways to start making money today. So if you're in a situation where you need to start making money, like if you did lose a job or you need extra money to cover your bills right away, there are other things I think that you could do, um, specifically freelancing, Offering some type of service is usually better because you can start making money right away as soon as you have your first client. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with blogging or podcasting or YouTube channel, you have to put in a good bit of time to work to build up your traffic and build up your audience before you're able to start to make money from it. So that's the biggest thing I would say is you need to think about your own situation, how fast you need to make money, and think about the things that you enjoy doing because. Uh, especially if it's a side hustle, if it's something on top of a full-time job, you don't want to come home from working a full, you know, a full day at your, at your job, come home and have to do something that you don't enjoy as a side hustle. So it's a lot, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more realistic if it's something you enjoy because it won't feel quite like work. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree on that one. Um, because yeah, I talked to Jerry on a, a few episodes back, Jerry uh, Brown, and yeah, we were talking. We had we had fun because he was doing the online surveys and other activities. He was doing the Uber driving for Uber and stuff like this. Some parts he he liked because it was bringing money. It was kind of exciting. Then okay, the online surveys after one hour of work, maybe you make three dollars. So yeah, you need to see a bit what what you enjoy or not. And now he he's working on his uh, social media marketing uh, agency. So it's all about starting something you like because indeed, as you say, starting something you hate in your free time well, or that you're not interested in in your free time, it's not as fun. And then I have a question for you, Mark, because okay, I, I mentioned YouTube and uh, blogging, etc. But maybe there are some listeners. And for example, for me as well, my other hobby is to play the guitar and maybe some other listeners, I don't know, they like uh, horse riding or uh, I don't know, they collect watches, whatever it is, which is not necessarily into um, a blog or digital form um, hobby. How could they monetize their uh, passion or their hobby? There's a few different options. First of all, I, I think you could take just about anything into a, a content-based business, whether it's a blog, podcast, or YouTube channel. Like you mentioned music, you could definitely you know, start a, a blog related to music or a YouTube channel or something like that. Um, so those, those topics are, or those um, approaches are always an option. But aside from that, there are a few specific things you could do. One thing you could do is sell a product. It could either be a digital downloadable product or it could be something physical. Uh, like say, for example, someone has an interest in crafts, they could create some sort of handmade items and sell them on Etsy or a similar platform like that. Mm-hmm. Um, another option would be teaching. 
So you mentioned music less, or um, you mentioned an interest in music. So one op- opportunity would be to offer music lessons. If you're a good guitar player, maybe you could offer beginner lessons to kids or grownups who are just looking to learn how to play guitar. That's something that you could do either locally in your own town or you could do online. With other interests, teaching could be applied in terms of, of tutoring. If you have an interest in science or history or whatever, you could work as a tutor. Um, you could also coach. Coaches are essentially teachers as well. And even uh, you could create an online course that I think would be considered teaching also. Um, there's, you know, you could create an online course on just about anything you want. It could be something that you sell on your own website or you could use any number of um, existing platforms like Udemy or Skillshare and there others as well, where they already have a platform and you just create the course and put it on there. Another option would be to offer a service. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, this might be something local, like if you're an animal lover, maybe you want to offer pet sitting, dog walking, um, grooming, something like that. Um, I live relatively close to a popular, a famous battlefield that attracts a lot of tourists and a lot of visitors into the area. And I know someone who offers tour guides, guided tours. He So he uh, he's a history buff and he basically is like a, a private tour guide. Um, so people hire him and he gives them a guide around the area. So depending on where you live, maybe something like that would be a possibility. Um, so there's several different options that you can do whether it's a, a product, a service, a digital product, content, there's a lot of different options. And the opportunities are going to vary a little bit depending on the particular hobby that you're trying to monetize. Like in my case, when I looked at photography, I saw there was an opportunity for selling digital products. I could have done something else. I could have tried to take photos or um, or teach people or create courses or something, but my skill set offering a digital products was a better fit. So you have to look at the particulars of the hobby that you're trying to monetize, what you want to do and, and see how it fits with, you know, your skills, your experience and and what you want to do. What I like about your ideas that you just mentioned is that uh, you mentioned the local aspect. So that that's kind of cool because when, you know, when you look online for advice on how to start a, a side activity, there's not often a mention of, yeah, you can do the online surveys, you can do the online this, online that, be a virtual assistant. I mean, these are all great ideas, but yeah, let's not forget our local communities, the brick and mortar, sometimes uh, the the physical stuff, because you can be, a, I mean, I play guitar, as I, as I said, so I could be a teacher. I mean, it's not what I'm interested in, but as an example, I could be a teacher for kids in my city or something like this, or just be a private teacher. It will not bring a huge fortunes, but this is an example of how just to make maybe a few hundred uh, euros uh, extra a month, for example, or a uh, pet sitting. This, uh, this is something maybe that's fun. Maybe you like to walk uh, your neighbor's dog around. I mean, it's always a small ideas. And then when you start, you get started. Well, thing, it sparks ideas. So then maybe you can uh, monetize it in another way, or maybe you just stay happy with those activities. Huh? That's, uh, that's great. I like that. And then one question to you, uh, Mark. Because, for example, okay, let's take the guitar example, or maybe somebody likes cooking. You know, I have a, this friend, she really likes cooking, and she could film herself making recipes, etc. But then, you know, the competition online, I mean, if let's say she starts a YouTube channel, 
I mean, the competition online is huge. How can she set herself apart from the competition? Yeah, one way you can set yourself apart is to kind of specialize. So, you know, I'm not real familiar with the niche of food videos or whatever on YouTube, but I think if you were to to specialize, you would have an easier time standing out. So, say for example, instead of filming recipes in general and doing all different types of things, you could uh, focus in on gluten-free recipes or vegan recipes or um, you know any particular type of diet or maybe even particular type of food like maybe you just do desserts or something so I think when you specialize you can stand out a little bit more um, so that's definitely one option and it definitely helps for branding and it also helps for rankings like if you're a blogger and your site is highly specialized it's going to help you with Google search rankings for search phrases that are related to those particular keywords. Like for example, um, I mentioned gluten-free stuff. I actually have a friend who runs a website that is all about gluten-free foods. And, you know, a lot of it is just like people, his, a lot of his search traffic is people who are just looking for, is this food, whatever they're wondering, is this food gluten-free? So they, they type that into Google and his site comes up because his site is all about gluten-free food. So Google recognizes his site as an authority on gluten-free food. So, um, you know, specializing can really help you to, to get more traffic and also to stand out because when someone like going back to the, um, the example of YouTube, when someone comes across your YouTube video and you're creating, uh, say it's vegan, a vegan recipe, if someone is vegan and they come across your YouTube video, they're much more likely to subscribe to it or they're much more likely to really be interested in it than just a general recipe video. You know, so, you know, it may be a smaller segment of the audience that you're targeting, but those people who are your target audience are going to be more likely to, to subscribe or to become like a loyal follower of your channel or of your blog. Mm, yeah, very good. Yeah, indeed, because I think that's uh, the way to go. For example, if I think of guitar, I mean, I watch some uh, YouTube videos on uh, a few guitar players and some is just for entertainment, but some sometimes it's really because they, they make lessons. There's a, there's a few uh, channels and then it's, it helps me to, uh, to, uh, yeah, to play better or to, to see some tricks or sometimes just to get inspired. And it's, it's true that different channels offer different perspectives and uh, so yeah indeed it's really a good advice uh, there and then um, then mark I'm, i'm just curious um about one thing let's say we turn back the clock and we go back to 2007 so what would you do different than what you have done if i were to go back to 2007 yeah. and um and the situation was still the same as it was in 2007. I was running web design blog. The biggest thing I would do is try to build out different revenue streams early on. So I mentioned that when I sold the site, I was making money from display ads, banner ads, um, from affiliate programs and from selling digital products. For a few years, the site was really generating almost all the revenue from ads. And I did pretty well with it because the site had high traffic. And so 
there was enough revenue coming in from the ads. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really wish I would have ventured into some of those other revenue streams earlier, um, because I missed out on a lot of money by, by taking a few years to really pursue those other things. And in the case of affiliate programs, I really didn't get serious about affiliate programs until I had already decided I wanted to sell the blog. And at that point I had been running it for five, six years and I really hadn't done anything with affiliate programs. And so, you know, if I had, I, I missed out on literally a few hundred thousand dollars of income over the course of a few years because I didn't, I wasn't more active with affiliate programs earlier on. So I wish I would have looked for other ways to make money rather than relying on ads for longer than I did. Okay. So, so if somebody starts, uh, <clears throat> wants to start a blog or a YouTube or whatever a podcast today, then you would uh, advise them to look into um, several streams of income then? Yeah, I think so. Especially after you have some traffic established, like early on, you're really just doing whatever you can to try to get traffic to the site. Um, but, but definitely once you have a steady flow of traffic at that point, you should be looking to diversify a little bit and, um, you know, make money in a few different ways. And I wish I would have done that. Okay. Very good. And then Mark, all this advice on the building side hustles and, uh, blogs, starting blogs. I mean, all this advice can be found on your website, correct? Yeah, there is. My website, vitaldollar.com, has some content related to, to blogging and, um, and to other side hustles. Um, I do have a course on blogging that, that goes into the in much more in-depth than some of the content on the blog itself. Okay. Okay. Very good. And on your blog, you also talk about investing in the stock markets, in real estate. So it's not only about blogging and uh, side hustles. Yeah, it's, I cover topics related to making money, saving money, and managing money. Okay, very good, very good. I'll link the, the website in the show notes anyway, so people, uh, I mean, the listeners can find it and uh, can uh, yeah, learn more about you and about how to make more money. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. And uh, yeah, well, Mark, I think we, we came at the end of the show, and um, I think it was quite good, quite interesting to see how people can still make money from a side hustle in 2020. There are still plenty of venues, uh, even though the times may be a bit uh, depressing. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how it is. I mean, un until um, I think we have a few more months to go, but then that's how it is. But I think, yeah, maybe it's a good time to, to dig into your website, which offers great resources for people to maybe, yeah, start looking at uh, side hustles, starting a new small business. You know, it doesn't have to be big and earn uh, 20,000 from day one, but at least, yeah, build up... Uh, extra competences, side activity, build up on your passion. I think this is great. I mean, this will keep you going and who knows where it might lead. So, and uh, yeah, before we, we close, uh, Mark, we always have our three quick fire questions. The number one question, Mark, is what is your, what has been your best investment so far? I would say my best investment has been investing in my own business. Um, that's mostly my time. I I have invested some money, obviously, but I've never had to make huge monetary investments, but it's, it has been a huge investment of time, but that's definitely produced the best return for me. Yeah, it's definitely been a good return, definitely. And um, then question number two, what is the best book 
Uh, I don't know if you're a big reader, but uh, we didn't talk about that. But what is the best book you can recommend to anybody? And it does not need to be a financial book. Yeah, so I'm definitely not a big reader. I read a lot online. I don't read a, a ton of books. But uh, my favorite book, the one that's had the biggest impact on me, is called The Hole in Our Gospel. It's written by a guy named Richard Stearns, who was the president of World Vision, a large humanitarian organization. The book is written from a Christian perspective, but what I really like about it is it reminds us about our responsibility to help people in need around the world and reminded me of how fortunate I am. Um, and so it really served as a wake up call for me that I needed to do more to help other people, which I think is important to you, regardless of what faith or what beliefs you have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. <clears throat> I'll look it up and I'll link it as well in the show notes so people can have a look at it. And then number three, what is the best purchase you've made for under a hundred dollars? I would say my best purchase for under $100 has been Google Drive. I pay $2 a month or $24 a year mm -hmm. for Google Drive, which before I had that, I had all kinds of issues. Like um, I typically work off of a desktop, but sometimes I work off of a laptop, especially when I'm traveling. And it was a nightmare trying to deal with files on two computers. I'd be working on my laptop and need to access some file that I couldn't get to. So before Google Drive, I had a lot of headaches and um, I would say it's been a great purchase because, you know, it backs up all my files and I can access them from anywhere. Yes. And it can be a lifesaver, those things, because, you know, uh, if you were traveling with your laptop and you didn't have time to save, but maybe it's in the, in the cloud or in the, the Google Drive, it can save a ton of headache indeed. So it, it's a small cost for a, a huge uh, reward. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, very good. Well, Mark, it was a pleasure. So the listeners can find you at vitaldollar.com. Do you have also any social media accounts uh, where we can find you? I'm on all the, the major sites. Um, on Twitter, my um, handle is vital underscore dollar. And that's, that's the place where I'm most active. So Twitter is probably best. But uh, I am on other platforms as well, like Facebook and Pinterest. Okay, excellent. So Mark, it was great to have you on the show and uh, thanks you for all your valuable information and tips and I'll uh, speak to you soon. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, that was a pretty interesting conversation with Mark here and there are definitely some lessons I can apply to myself for my blog, for my podcast and as well for uh, my the day job, for example. So I hope you find it interesting as well and that you learn something from it. And now before we head off, let's jump into the key takeaways. Number one, online activities like running a YouTube channel, an online community involving a membership, a podcast or blogging can bring significant money in the long run. Nevertheless, due to changes of third-party platforms you use, things can become stressful actually. Think of YouTube or Instagram algorithm changes, payment platform uh, terms and conditions that can change like uh, Mark explained with PayPal, for example, uh, which caused the need to upgrade and uh, you need to adapt to these changes. Number two, Mark's secret recipe to success. This is for content-based businesses, a high traffic to your website, which can lead to several streams of income in the form of ads, affiliate marketing, and as well, specific niche products. And this is, for example, the digital products he was talking about for the photography blog. And a great tip uh, he mentioned is to give free versions or so-called freebies of your product 
uh, to your audience to get them familiar with what you're proposing. And uh, yeah, they might eventually upgrade later to a paid version and or at least uh, sign up to your email list. Next one, and I really like this one because this applies to any one of us, even if you don't have a side activity. So whatever activity you're running, cut your time down to essentials. Scale back on the amount of hours you spend on your activities. And as an example, Mark managed to cut his time on the blog in half. Next, if you plan to start a content creating activity, be patient with the income. It will not come right away. I mean, these things take time. So if you need or want to make money faster, uh, you're better off finding other types of activities like freelancing or offering services. And this can mean dog walking, dog sitting, helping people to improve their CVs, teaching guitar to uh, kids in your uh, city, etc. And a great tip is, uh, yeah, whatever you do, try to find something you enjoy. You do not want to come back from work and start working on something you are not passionate about. And last piece of advice, if you start a content-based business, focus on a niche to stand out from the crowd. For example, we talked about a person who's passionate about food and cooking. That person could, for example, focus on gluten-free recipes, plant-based recipes, or even, uh, I don't know, Indian food, Mexican food, Italian food, and so on, and so on. And if Mark had to start it all over again, what he shared with us is that he would focus on building several revenue streams early on with his blog in 2007. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.